This is 169 Projects. I'm Michael Tutton. I'm insatiably curious and excited about finding great work done in digital signage and visual communications. This podcast is designed to dig into some of those projects, find out what they're all about and how they came together. That might be a big experiential job, a massive video wall, projection mapping, or a cool one-to-one interactive project. Each episode will get into the thinking behind the project and how it came together by talking to the people responsible. Just like the Mothership Podcast 16.9, this one's available online, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or using your favorite podcast listening app. I'm grateful and excited to announce that the podcast now has a sponsor thanks to Mahler Digital Signage. That's right, 16.9 Projects is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Put your digital signage network in expert hands. Imagine, while sitting in the lobby waiting for your next meeting, three walls around you change, placing you in a cocaine manufacturing camp in the jungles of Columbia. Minutes later, they change again to drop you into a prison cafeteria in Upper New York State. When Netflix was designing the lobby of their new Hollywood head office, they said they wanted Wow Factor, and that's exactly what they got with the 1.9mm 13K LED that's 12 feet high by 80 feet wide in their lobby. The content is custom designed to promote Netflix programming, including Narcos and Orange is the New Black. I spoke with Merrick Adrianson, EVP of Systems and Technology for D3 LED, about this impressive installation. Thanks for joining us today, Merrick. Could you maybe explain the project to us, please? Uh, Certainly. Uh, So the uh, Netflix project came about. uh, They were building a new uh, headquarters building and the uh, lobby. They wanted it to be a... uh, an amazing lobby uh, to uh, show all of their um, uh, their upcoming projects, uh, their content, and uh, have an environment that just would uh, would uh, pretty much wow the uh, the visitors. So their lobby is uh, is quite large, and uh, uh, the the walls are pretty much called for uh, 120 feet of LED uh, wall and. Uh, uh, they uh, originally they started at a lower resolution, and eventually, uh, once they saw all of the differences, they went with the the higher resolution, uh, which uh, ended up being a 1.9 millimeter. And uh, when you go across that large canvas, you end up with um, a canvas that's 12,544 pixels by uh, 1792. So it was a rather large display and uh, we we're always known to be able to drive extremely high resolution displays uh, that's part of our heritage we have done that uh, uh, for uh, since since our beginning that is one of the extremely strong parts that we have to be able to drive very large displays at the highest quality possible you know, my, my philosophy on, on these things always is, you know, people spend billions of dollars on these LED signs, the display should look as good as it can. And that is usually a challenge when you start going into very large canvases uh, like this at, uh, at Netflix. Uh, the typical solution in the past has been to, uh, to take it with uh, content creation solutions that you know, which is TV, video, and you know, lay out these high definition video patches, you know, 1920 by 1080 sections, and then time synchronize them all at the same time with multiple players playing out to be able to uh, create content that uh, that looks great and is at the native resolution. It doesn't really work taking you know 1920 by 1080 video and just stretching across this medium. You just don't have enough resolution. You might as well just put a much lower resolution. Uh, LED display in there if that's what you're going to do. So it was uh, very challenging as as part of that large canvas. 
but uh, because of our history of being able to do these large canvases, we, we jumped at the opportunity to do that. Now, even in our standards of the past, this was a very large project. So the first part um, was part of the first rolling out of our new hardware architecture that has massive capacity. And uh, uh, that allowed us to make this project much simpler than it is. So the end result is a display that gets driven with one box. And you know we call it the API MS. And it has uh, the capability, and these days we have pushed the envelope uh, even further to drive 100 million pixels out of one box. And that is both the content as well as the LED processing. Um, and um, that is quite a feat. Uh, if you look at, you know, we, we always look at these projects and, and say, well, what would the industry typically come up with to be able to do that? And in the case of a Netflix, it would be about 30 different boxes, you know, uh, all separate content players synchronized together, uh, pixel processors to manipulate the pixels in the right spots uh, because of the different size and aspect ratios there are, and then LED processors to be able to drive this with, and you end up about 30 boxes in the typical industry solution. And with us, you end up just with one box, which makes it extremely easy for the content creators to create uh, what the uh, client is looking for. So let's now focus on that because that's at the end what the client cares about. They wanted an environment uh, where the lobby had one hour of ever-changing videos. If somebody was sitting in the lobby for a long time, they wouldn't get bored and you know seeing the same thing over and over again. It just it gets on you. Plus, you know, we really felt bad for the receptionist to be able to be exposed to this very large surface of LED wall continuously changing. So also cognizant of the people that have to live in that environment to have a pleasant um, but spectacular uh, lobby environment. So it started with the notion of you have these large surfaces. You really can't do a lot of movement in there. You just will drive people dizzy. Uh, just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you want to do it. So the the first focus was let's make this a uh, an environment that is not very jarring. So they started with the concept, and again the client and the creative agency worked very close together uh, with that to come up with first the vision, and then they came to us with how they were going to implement it. But the vision was. Uh, you know, let's create these five worlds uh, of uh, content pods. And a world is, you know, one of their television shows like, uh, you know, Orange is the New Black. And uh, these five uh, pieces would pretty much uh, cover, actually six pieces, each one of them 10 minutes would cover the full hour. And within each one of these 10 minute episodes, um, there would be continuous subtle motion, uh, but uh, at the same time ever changing, so it would not be boring. Um, so they uh, were able to you know, try to imagine the, the logistics of cre creating 12,544 by 1792 animations uh, for one hour. That, that's a lot of content. And you know, to render this content is amazingly you know, time consuming. So that 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 is pretty technologically a difficult challenge. So they came to us and we overcame it in in the following way. 
they created a one minute animation for each of these six worlds that had subtle motion in them enough that when you're sitting there you can see that it is uh this is a a live wall and to the point it's so realistic that people really think it is there and it, it's it's hard to visualize when you see such a large canvas and you remember this is now at native resolution the full 12,544 at the highest quality that you can uh, deliver it and you're looking at it and it looks real so in the case of orange is the new black you see the uh, uh, the fans in the room rotating you see steam rising from the uh, prison kitchen uh, dishes uh, you see the television has uh, some uh, channels, some content playing on it. Uh, so there is this subtle motion that shows it's mo in motion, and it's an evergreen motion where you don't say, oh, that repeated, right? It, it looks like you would be in that environment. And then on top of that, you uh, want to have subtle changes that are ever-changing. And that was the big trick of how we accomplish that without having to go and render an hour's worth of this content. We had them create these um, sprites that are uh, just partial movement on part of the screen. So for example, a bird flying by uh, or a window opening up or something changing in the uh, in the television screens, uh, some person coming into the kitchen and moving around. It happens in part of the screen uh, and there are, you know, each one of these worlds has 40 different versions of these. And what we do is we overlay that. So not only are we playing 12,544 by 1792 animations as the base layer, but this becomes now an additional layer that comes on top of it that is playing and has uh, these uh, overlay animations. And these animations actually have a key channel. So. Um, our original content spec to have the highest quality possible uh, was uh, 12.544.17.92 ProRes 10-bit 4.4.4 animations. And then the overlay key was 12.544.17.92 ProRes uh, was the uh, force channel. So that's 4.4.4.4 animations that's in live key over this animation. So you have two layers of... 26 million pixels, so close to 50 million pixels moving around on the screen that have to be rendered live. And it's all happening out of one box. That's the IMS, uh, API MS Pro. And it just, the end result is just amazing. So um, that's really the highlight of what the project is. If you have some questions, let's go dive deeper into it. Do I have questions? Do I what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start with the overlay and sprite layer. So the idea here is that you would make one background animation and then you could make, say, seasonal changes by changing the sprite layer. And so you could have Christmas animations at Christmas time and hearts at Valentine's Day or something like that. And the only piece of this that you would have to change would be the sprite layer. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And because we take the, I mean, it's much easier for them to go and render a sprite uh, because although, you know, the end result is a fully rendered animation, most of the animation is really just a key channel. It's black, right, with with a key channel that just shows the part moving. So if a bird is flying, for them to render out that animation is very little rendering power. You know, a little bird flying in well, one, one hundredth part of the screen 
they are put it to us as a full animation, but that is because most of the content is not changing. It, it renders extremely fast. Um, so we put all of those animations into a folder and they randomly play out. So there's no scheduled order that they have to schedule. They just drop a whole bunch of these new animations uh, into the folder and it just picks up every minute another animation plays in an overlay and makes now this whole lobby experience again a little bit more unique that something else has changed. And uh, it, it really makes for a very pleasant environment where people are sitting in the lobby and they're seeing these every minute, you know, slightly unique changing animations going on to, to make it an amazing experience. And this goes on for the whole hour. And for the content creators out there, what kind of file size are we looking at for the finished background animation? The, uh, the, and that was part of the reason why we specified the, um, the ProRes 10-bit uh, 4444 format. It is the highest quality that you can pretty much get out of you know, the typical uh, creative uh, uh, people, the Macs, you know, the Mac Pros, it's, uh, it's, it's really not able to deal with the old uncompressed QuickTime codecs anymore. So ProRes 4.4.4.10 bits is the highest quality you can get. And again, because we're sticklers with quality, that's the highest quality we could get. And these animations are, you know, tighter. There are 7 to 1, 8 to 1 comp- compression to the original ones. Uh, depending on load, we uh, we build our API MS systems to be able to play native resolution ProRes, um, as well as uh, being able to play them uncompressed. Uh, if you're doing continuous animations with uh, no in-between um, hiccup between an animation, well, we actually render them out as uncompressed. So the, the the systems are are delivered to be able to drive that much content in an uncompressed format. Uh, but we have a drop folder, you just drop it in there in the background, it just converts it, and now you're playing uncompressed files. And that's part of the reason we also are sticklers for quality, because the compression is really, for us, a convenience of transferring the media. It's not uh, to to gain on disk space or or bandwidth that uh, that you don't have but uh, the uncompressed files get close to 200 300 gigabytes in size i'd like to thank our sole sponsor Mahler digital signage for their patronage it helps cover the costs and means the podcast can visit dsc to gather some more great interviews here's Mahler's luis villafane hi there this is luis from Mahler digital signage you can find us at mallardso.com we plan, install, and manage digital signage networks for marketing projects, advertising, and retail. We don't sell PCs. We don't sell screens. We don't sell advertising or do physical installations. At Maller Digital Signage, we offer an all-around consultancy service and project management that will help you find the best hardware and software solutions to deploy from scratch your digital signage network. We adapt to what your company needs, from a small to large networks, with a direct support from our engineers within 20 minutes. So at Matter, we manage and design networks. We manage and design digital signage networks. That is it. Check out our website at www.mallardso.com. You've done other lobby spaces like this before. How did you come to realize that large or fast motion doesn't work in tight spaces like this? When you have repeated motion, it's especially in a lobby, you want subtlety. You know, you can't have this constant stuff that's changing. Uh, so, you know, the typical thing you do is like a waterfall or, or a nature scene. Uh, but to try to, to, you know, that makes a nice, pleasant environment. It doesn't tell 
people about your branding, right, of everything that you have. And being able to combine those two things together is is really very important. And, you know, in the Netflix lobby, there is some motion. So between the top of each one of these 10 minute, every one of these uh, two minute animations, there will be an intro animation into it that shows the title of a beautiful 3D animation that just scrolls across them. And it transitions from one of these worlds to the next world. So that is... Uh, that's when people go like, whoa, <laughs> this whole thing really moves because that, that everything moves on the screen when, when those transitions happen. And, but it, it happens infrequently enough where it isn't jarring and it, it's very impressive. So just while we're on content, besides obviously from a lot of movement, um, but what else have you learned about making room scale content? What, what does work? So the the key part uh, naturally is again subtlety, uh, not too much motion. Um, you need incredible quality because you know that's one thing that just because it's a huge canvas, you know people go up to it, right? And you can't have these compression artifacts and all of the things that you see with the typical you know capabilities that you see in the industry. Nobody can play ProRes four 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 ten bit files. I mean, at at that scale, it it just becomes you're hard pressed to just play a 1920 by 1080 file like that without you know additional uh, streams of hardware to be able to do that. Um, but you know the typical compression formats that you see in the industry, like MP4s and stuff like that, just falls apart because you you need you know uncompressed. And in some of these instances, we actually even talked to the agencies because they're they're you know, ProRes 444 only really happens when they are working in the Mac format, the typical larger agencies were completely uncompressed. And it's that final point where they're deciding, well, what should we render it out to? What's our audience and clientele? Uh, so on some of these, we actually say, well, we're going to convert it back to uncompressed, just lay that as uncompressed to target sequences. We can just import them just as easily. So it becomes really a workflow issue of what takes more time, compression, decompression, uh, but copy times that is much you know less versus no compression, just quickly lay out the files and then just bring them in that way. Just it's much more data, but you know moving a, a one terabyte jump drive by FedEx overnight is is just fine. And the speed that these drives go, it's, it's really no big deal to you know, load a couple minutes of new fresh content that's completely uncompressed. So both of these are options. And with, with some of our customers, we actually have bypassed the compression altogether to be able to create pristine, beautiful, you know, 24-bit full RGB content. Um, and that's another thing, you know, the, the typical way that this creates it's created is because the industry uses known uh, technologies, they'll go with video. Well, guess what? Video is a compressed format that was you know, done in an age where bandwidth is so precious to be able to get to all of these points. It's half the color bandwidth. So you lose, you know, you have the beauty of a full RGB screen and you're using yesteryear's technologies to be able to you know, compress colors to be able to get the content apart. And then what you end up is with a wall that looks lifeless and you know the red don't aren't, aren't punchy because you just had to use a video creation tools to be able to get the uh, uh, the stitching synchronized across all of these different players. And um, you, you have a compromise solution. You paid a lot of money for your LED wall. And because of your processing's inability, you had to downgrade what it could do. 
Let's talk about the physical project a little bit. Am I right in understanding that there's some projection involved here as well, not just the LEDs? That is correct. Um, so one of the wall uh, was a uh, wall where um, uh, they wanted to create an art piece. And uh, uh, the art piece had to show uh, how uh, Netflix can be seen on all different um, uh, devices, you know, from, from a uh, four-inch iPhone all the way to a uh, 35-inch television screen. So all of these various screens were created as wooden pieces that were white and uh, arranged or close to 100 of them uh, dimensionally, both in the front and in the back, uh, in kind of a mosaic uh, to be able to create this 35 feet wide wall with all these devices. And then uh, we had to put uh, projection mapping onto those to be able to uh, make that work. And because you're you're working with an LED screen on one wall, the projection in a lobby that has a lot of light has to be very bright. So we had to go with the most expensive two laser projectors to be able to get a similar resolution to what we were getting uh, with the LED wall. Um, so uh, and then of course controlling all of those synchronously on the front end system. So. Uh, when when one you know orange is the new black animation is playing on the LED wall, we also want to be able to trigger and play that out at the same time going onto the projection wall. And you know the projection wall allows uh, because all of these objects are slightly at different uh, angles and at different uh, dimensions and distances from the projector, they had to be uh, surface mapped to each one of them individually. So that was also, a fun and challenging part of this project, but integrating it all into one lobby spectacular just uh, looks uh, looks amazing. And on top of that, you know, the, the other thing that we're finding with these projects, when you, so you create a uh, spectacular, uh, a lot, what I call them, a lobby spectacular, you also have to worry about the audio. So uh, we integrated that as well as a whole digital audio system with, uh, with Dante uh, to be able to both make presentations in there um, and uh, as well as get audio into the area when when you're doing a presentation um, and all integrated with the uh, video spectacular per se. Can you talk a little bit about how the project came together in terms of uh, the technology and, and the content and, and, and the dance between what led, whether the technology led or the content led, how that kind of came together? Well, it the, the technology and the content piece moved separately for a little bit and then we were brought in to explain to the content people of well how we're going to make this happen how we're going to make this work and that process was actually uh very uh very useful for both parties because you know we learned a lot of what they were trying to do they learned a lot of what we we're trying to do to to combine it and we actually you know broke some technology ground to be able to do that. For example, I told you about these keying opportunities where we're really keying the sprite onto the life uh, layer. Well, it, as we were doing these subtle keys, we realized that there were different things that they were trying to do. A, they were trying to do keying, and B, they were trying to do compositing, right? So for example, if a cab goes by and the headlights shine light, and you want that light to affect the background light that's being listened, 
you can't do that with a key. We first started doing that. We're going to look and saying, well, that doesn't look right. Then then we're trying to do the key on one and the compositing wasn't looking right. So we're just scratching our head and we had to do a lot of math and testing. And we said, we really need two different modes. We need to be able to composite or we need to be able to key and they're mutually exclusive of each other. Uh, And, you know, we had to come up with a methodology where we actually indicated in the uh, naming of the file of... uh, whether or not we wanted to use one algorithm when combining them or the other. And it's it's very subtle, but if it's wrong, you right away see that it's just not working. So some of the animations are composited in life and some of the animations are keyed in life. And again, that's you know one of those things that happens when you have very creative, um, creative people working together with uh, technology people to make something like this a reality for the customer's benefit. We're running out of time, so this is my last question. I'm, I'm curious, I guess, what you took away from the project or what you overcame or or what, what insight you, you got out of the project. Well, it, it, it really was a fascinating project for us. It, it, it was the, the second lobby spectacular that we did, and so it was a lot of learning. Uh, but the end result really was that we were so much more convinced that the technology direction that we had taken were the right direction. I cannot imagine doing this kind of a project without the tools and technologies that we have. A, it would be so much more cumbersome, complicated, and so much more expensive to be able to create content. And you know, when we tell these you know, content guys, yeah, it's just one flat file, 12, 5, 44, 17, 92, they go like, we don't have to deliver this in 27 different time-synchronized video pieces that you're going to load onto 27 content players. They're like, no, one file, that's it. Just go with your render, give these numbers, square pixels, RGB, full color space, don't worry about compression, simple file. And they're like, wow, that's really easy. You know, exactly. Well, that's what we're trying to do. You know, Try to make uh, you know, very powerful technology that works, uh, works great for both our uh, partners as well as our customers. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today, Merrick. My pleasure. That's all for this episode of 69 Projects. If you've seen a project in the wild and said to yourself, now that's cool, I'd love to hear about it and maybe featured on an upcoming episode. You can reach me at michael at crowncontent.ca. This podcast is a companion to the 69 podcast, which talks to smart people doing interesting things in this business. It's also tied in with 169, which is the website to read if you really want to learn about the digital signage industry. You'll find that at 16-9.net. This podcast is produced by me in Toronto and is a product of Vertical Media Consulting Group, the massive media empire my buddy Dave Haynes runs out of his house down the highway in Burlington, Ontario. This podcast is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Check them at mahlerdso.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Tutton.